Welcome back to another episode of the Buddhist Millionaire Podcast. It's popping oh, 40 degrees out here in Amman. We went the other day. Where were we? We are up somewhere. Anyway, my bald head got a little bit burnt. So if you hear whirring in the background, it's my air con. If you hear it not whirring, it means I'm freezing to death and had to turn it off. So I've had a couple of things going on this week. The first, I had a memory come up on my Facebook of an article I wrote for Woman Ready uh, magazine. I don't know, was it a year ago when my book, when uh, How to Be a Buddhist Millionaire came out? And it was about the inner strength of women, where I kind of, I was forced to recollect how many women are behind my work, like brilliant women. And then that kind of came together with our guest today, who I, I love this woman, she's fantastic. But me and Sherry, we were talking about her and it just kind of all hit me. I thought, oh, let's see if, let's see if, well, I can't give her name away yet because I haven't introduced her, but let's see if she'll come on. So that was one thing that happened. And another thing that happened was that, well, I'm trying to learn Arabic and my Japanese teacher said, to learn a language, try and do as many things in your normal life as you would do. So, for example, my sat-nav when I was learning Japanese was set in, Jap in um, Japanese. So now what I'm trying to do is play Arabic Scrabble. It's, it's, it's not easy. So, so because of that, I've got words in my head and I have chosen in the spirit of Arabic Scrabble. I'm not going to do this in Arabic, by the way, to choose words to uh, describe my next guest. Here are some of them. Right. First of all, I've got up here, and this is a bit of a cheat because I've used two words already, gloriously stylish, you know, and this is coming from someone who is not in any way stylish, me, so she's gloriously stylish. Also, I've got on here, um, humble, incredibly humble, right? I've got down here, compassionate, I don't know many kind of women. I've also got here, actually, Cleopatra which I, I stole off her Instagram feed because a great, great post came up with Cleopatra. And I thought, actually, Cleopatra, my guess reminds me a bit of Cleopatra in that I think underneath all that quietness, she could be a bit of a killer too, which is great. So let me introduce you to uh, Stefania, Stefania and Delicato, who is going to join us today. Steph, how are you doing? Hi. I'm good. What, a, what an intro. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't agree with any of those those things I, I picked for you. I don't know, but I'm very flattered that um, you've asked me for for to come and talk to you. So, but uh, what a lovely intro! Thank you. No, no, you're very welcome. I just want to explain. Obviously, for for listeners, it's it's audio, but on Steph's let me turn to like left hand, she has a ring on, which is the circumference, which probably fills three of her fingers. Steph, show show me. Well, at least two of her fingers, and I think it's a coin. Is it a coin? It's it's a it's an old taller of Maria Theresa of Austria, and these were um, came into Africa during the trading time, and they were used um, as a form of bartering, as it were. Really? And some kept intact, um, and some were melted to create jewelry. So it's a very important piece within. Um, the history of nomadic jewelry, because you will find, you know, Ethiopian crosses made out of this because it was pure silver. It yeah. was used, you know, to remelt and create other pieces. So that is my um, bit of my talisman. It's always on me. <laughs> and, and that really, I mean, that does absolutely describe your kind of 
you know, Buddhist millionaireship. For those who are still listening who don't know what a Buddhist millionaire is, let me do this very quickly, right? Of course, a Buddhist millionaire is someone who absolutely loves what they do, is passionate about what they do work-wise from a work perspective, but is also making them uh, making it pay as well. There are two, two extremes on a spectrum. One is the creative who's broke, who doesn't make a penny, which, you know, is, is not that helpful when you've got a family. And then there's the kind of the, the archetypal a banker or someone who's making a lot of money but you know is unhappy so you know, i'm always interested in those people who walk that middle line steph you're one of those and that just your description of that ring there sums up exactly what you do from your instagram i love this i love this because it explains it better than i it says fine and recharmed uh, re jewelry inspired by the magical soul of africa and tales from the sook one of a kind pieces with a story to tell i just i love that Oh, who who wouldn't want to interview someone who is running a I, mean, I could say jewelry business but that would that would undersell it doing all that sort of stuff you, you have to tell us about who are you where are you from there are so many influences in your work Steph there there definitely are um so I just to give a little bit of a background and as to why I am who I am today mm. um <clears throat> I was born in Eritrea, grew up in Sudan um, for many years, lived there. And really, Sudan is what kind of shaped me. Um, Sudan has been a huge influence in my life. Uh, it's not, I always say it's not my birth land, but it's definitely my motherland. It is a country that has fed me and nurtured me and taught me and majorly influenced me. Um, so all that I do today and all that I am today, it's, it's, a, it's a mix of, of my upbringing in Sudan, where the souk, the colors of the veils that women wore, the, the smell of incense burning, the call to the Friday prayer, the, the generosity of the Arab people, of yeah. the Sudanese people, it's all part of my DNA and it's, and it's what kind of makes me who I am today. Um, and in terms of the jewelry, it's um, the love for jewelry started a long, long time ago. Um, and, it, and it was a love that was born out of, and this is something that has come through my mom because she was the one who- And your mom's a fabulous woman as well, right? She's an amazing woman. She's, she, she really, she is my icon in every way in that I, if I could only be a tiny bit of what she is, um, I'd be happy. Um, she's one of those very strong women, yeah. um, but that has always never, you know, never lost herself into, into a problem or whatever. She always you know, would find a solution to everything. Yeah. But what her love and, you know, appreciation of um, creating something out of nothing, mm. right? I love that so, phrase, creating something out of nothing. Because that, it is a bit, uh, it's alchemy. It's like life alchemy. So, so here's the thing, right? This is not, a, this is not a, an interview about, and this isn't disrespectful about jewelry, because that in itself is like, whatever, there are a million. And, and your stuff is just, it's so symbolic of the stuff that sits at life. Whether you call that God 
or I don't know, but I that's what I love, and it's it's bigger, isn't it? It's symbolic, it's symbolic, and it's yeah, I, I love it. It's it's very cool. To me, you know, when you create, for me, you could have the most beautiful piece of jewelry. You could have whatever, you know, the biggest high end jewelry. But if I don't know its story and I don't know whose hands worked on it and who, where it's come from, and for me, it means nothing. And that is why I love to, you know, every piece that I do is connected to a person, is connected to a story, is connected to a smell, is connected to a memory. And so it's beyond, it goes beyond the piece of jewelry. It's the journey, you know, that yeah. where has that piece, you know, what, what journey have I had as a designer? Have I had as a person who created it? Uh, and sometimes I, I, I think, you know, I'm not, I'm just being guided. Um, yeah. you know, no, I, I agree. I take, I take the, the term designer very broadly because I yes. think, there's always someone who's guiding me. It's not, I'm working through another power. Um, that, that description gives me goosebumps because I absolutely, I'm all about that. I think you think you know, I love that description. And it, it, it's kind of transcendent then, isn't it? Because now we move away from creation to craft as art, which is an expression of something much bigger. And that's, it's a glorious thing to have that in your life, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, my story. So, and that with your stories of where you have a, a story and a symbol that links to your work, it furthers on, of course. So I tell you guys who are listening that um, I bought two, when I proposed to Sherry, I um, bought two rings. Uh, one of them was, one of them like a, an engagement, you know, normal ring time. And the other one was particularly special was a dragonfly. And I proposed to Sherry in Salala, Southern Amman, outside Job's tomb. So just to, because because with this, you know, with these rings in my hand, it couldn't be anything less, right? The story had to equal <laughs> the sort of magic. Yeah. So yeah, so we finished at Job's tomb, um, met a really interesting guy, actually, and then came out and, and, and proposed with your stuff. So yeah, so the story goes on beyond what you make. So yeah, it's very special. Absolutely, Absolutely. And, I, and I always think, you know, through my jewelry, because I tell stories that are behind those pieces, mm. um, you're kind of writing a book and you allow that book to continue when you give it to another person where that piece of jewelry moves on to another person. Its story continues. And that's the beauty of it. And that's the beauty of heirloom pieces. You know, you're allowing those pieces of jewelry that have passed on to continue their story. So I, I see it a little bit as a, it's, it's a process, it, it's, it's a continuation of history. It's a continuation of a personal story. It moves from one person to the other. And, um, and I believe they carry the soul. The soul, you know, the soul is always there. It moves on, it just moves on and it's history evolves. Yeah, that's a, that's a beautiful description. And, and you actually hear that. If people have been burgled, for example, and I, you know, God forbid, but they often are not worried about all the expensive stuff. And actually, even the jewellery that may have gone is not necessarily valuable, inverted commas, valuable, other than, just as you say, the stories that are contained kind of within. And I think that's why, why pieces... I, I, know my, I know my parents right now, 
actually that's that's really interesting my my parents had um so my mum got a wedding ring engagement ring given to her from nan right from from her mum long time ago circumstances happened but uh that ring had to go right there were some financial difficulties very 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 sad time anyway i just found out 10 days ago that dad had managed so you know we Life came back around in a cycle, some money came back, and dad managed to get re-get the ring back after all this time. And he said it just had to happen to kind of make up for that. You know, we all have our ups and downs, right? Families go through that. And um, and it was, yeah, it was, and I was like, wow, yeah. And he, and then there was no financial point of doing that other than to sort of close that very long, tired story. Amazing. Well, it is. I mean, it, you know, again, you know, history, uh, jewelry is emotional mm. for me. It, it's a, they're always, I always see jewelry, no matter how, um, whatever its price is, it's, it's an emotional thing. You know, we don't need jewelry, do we? We don't need, it's not a need. No. It's not, you know, it, you you develop an emotional attachment to a certain piece for whatever reason, because of its spiritual meaning or because of who gave it to you or because of um, it's it carries it carries so much yeah. more than just a piece. You know, yeah. I've got for me, I, I have so many. I'd like to think, you know, important pieces, beautiful pieces, expensive pieces, not as expensive but for me, the most important piece of jewelry that I own, and I've, I've shared this before, um, is a very tiny little bead, a glass bead um, that ha I had swallowed when I was about two or maybe even younger. <laughs> so yeah. my love for beads and jewelry obviously must have already been yeah, there. Still there. <laughs> um, and I'd swallowed this red bead and unbeknownst, well, obviously my parents realized that that bead was missing. I don't know why that bead was there. And they spent the you know, following three days uh, waiting for the bead <laughs> to come out. <laughs> um, and sure enough, it did. There and, it is. <laughs> uh, and, and, you know, they couldn't have been prouder. And... Um, <laughs> The whole ceremony. The bee oh, yeah. is returned. <laughs> and um, and my father decided to keep that bead, and had my had asked my mom to put it in a in a pendant, and um, and he kept that bead and on his chain for a very very long time. That bead then the bead broke from the chain. Um, He'd put it in a little tiny envelope wow. and put it away, uh, you know, waiting for it to be fixed again. Yeah. And um, this was in Sudan many years back. And lo and behold, he goes to look for the piece of paper with the bead to get to take it to the goldsmith. And that piece of paper was gone. Oh. It was vanished. Um, so you can imagine. And he was yeah, completely yeah. short. Anyway, cut story short. Um, he spent the probably three, four days going through, sifting through rubbish that at that time you, you'd put, you know, there, were, there weren't any, you know, method of removing rubbish. So you would put it in various, you know, vast places where, yeah. you know, empty spaces. Um, 
in the you know heat uh, of you know 40 45 degrees yeah, he yeah. sifted through each piece of rubbish he'd come back home he would put his glove on because he only had one arm and he would sift through all the rubbish amazing and my mom was like come on it's you know it's three o'clock in the afternoon you're going to get a sunstroke anyway um he found the bead amazing. three days after or four days after and that went back on his chain until the day he shut his eyes so that is my most treasured precious bead amazing. you know it sits in my safe I, i'm scared to wear it because i don't want to lose it but going back to the emotional attachment of jewelry you know jewelry is always um there's always an emotion to it that i love that story but actually you said you said that um you said that and that's quite right actually it's true of writing and poetry that they're not needed they're not necessary but i would argue that they really are because actually they are the things that sit at the heart of our motivation. Like, you, don't, you know, you don't need another book. You don't need another poem. You don't need, but actually we really do because without those sort of, those symbols of something bigger, something transcendent, life can be quite, quite a strain, right? It can, be, it can be a bit hard work. I mean, you and me both know that. It can be a bit of a trudge. Absolutely. And that's why, you know, the first pieces of jewelry were always amulets were, right. were things that people wore for protection yeah. since time began, you know, pieces of old um, uh, beads and, and, and seeds and, yeah. you know, feathers. Those were all, that's how jewelry began. They were amulets. People wore things to protect themselves. Um, so yes. Passing on of magic really, like, wasn't it? It's out, yeah. You know, today, yes, you know, jewelries, it's however cheap or expensive it is, it's a luxury item. You don't really need it. But on the other side, as you've rightly said, you know, we it's been since time began where you did need that piece of. I mean, you, I mean, you don't need it from an, from an economic uh, description, which our life has become. But as we're all seeing now, right, and with our young generation, we've, we've, we've both got kids in the kind of same demographic. And I see this more and more, more and more and more, that mental health in the young is on the decline, right? Sadly, as I say, we're just recovering uh, with my own son, with a friend of it, you know, just, just quite an awful time. Mental health is on the decline. And I would say it's because the shift has moved towards economic models whereby amulets and jewels are not needed, again, in inverted commas, because, of course, this is audio rather than video. But actually, I'd say that moving away from the kind of symbolic is damaging. I mean, you look at religions aside, right? But I say this, I say this a lot, that a community with faith is better than one without Right. What, whatever the faith, well, it doesn't. I don't think that particularly matters personally. That's my my personal sense on that. But that's kind of being eroded. And I wonder. And again, with your sort of work, if there's a way of actually getting our uh, our youngsters 
back out of the hard lines, likes, making money, going to school and actually bringing the sort of the, the poetic and the symbolic and, you know, releasing something more in them, don't you think? I definitely think that. And, and, and I think it's very much needed. Um, just going through, through personal experience of, of, at the moment of, of mental health and, and you realize how much there is of it and how much um, we need to create something. There's got to be a, a shift done in our whatever ecosystem in the way we deal with things and the way I know COVID has had a huge impact on yeah, sure, the young, of course. But, but definitely there has to be some sort of shift where we kind of almost go back a little bit to a bit of a more of a simpler life, simpler things. Yeah. Just going back to simplicity. Um, because the more we have and the more options there are and the more, you know, it's just, it, it just creates more. Yeah, I, I more. actually agree with you. you. You add layer upon layer until it becomes so overwhelming that, you know, if we feel it as ourselves as adults, then our, then our youngsters who haven't had a chance to evolve yet it's crushing, right? It's, it's, it's hard work. It is hard work. It is. And actually, from my own experience, I, I see with my kids, because they have known, my kids have been brought up here, but they've always been exposed to Sudan, to Egypt, to that kind of, you know, that, as it were, you know, simpler life. Yeah. And they often ask me for that. Mommy, when can we, you know, can we, yeah, I mean, I've got, you know, Sophia's always asking me, you know, why can't we live? <laughs> um, yeah. So, so the, I see it in them that there is a yearning to, to have that the simpler things, you know, away from all that we're exposed to at yeah, the moment, whatever. So I definitely agree with you. And, um, but I think there is within within certainly within the jewelry industry, and yeah. and that's within you know the younger people. Is that I think there is more now of people want stories behind pieces. People oh, absolutely stories. Not I don't like the term stories sell because it sounds like I'm thinking of business. But stories are what what people want. Absolutely. Yeah, and and we you know where pieces come from and what their provenance is and what you know people the the, the consumer market now is asking more questions. Hmm. You know, are your gems ethical? Are they you know? It, so there is a lot. There is a big shift within the jewelry industry in that sense that people are asking about these things. People are asking more for amulets and talismans, and yes. so there is there is kind of a shift back to that. I think. Yeah, there is a reflection of that. Speaking of the amulets and talismans, in my kind of temple here, in my little place here, of course, I've got your Buddha. Which, well, it's actually Sherry's, but I robbed it, you know, on the on the beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> she knows, she knows. I, I, I don't want to go public with that, which is, which is, which is there. Because, of course, it's quite tricky to get a Buddha out here in Amman. So I have that in, in my in my space, which is um, which is amazing. But I just thinking about that, I, I hadn't I hadn't written this in my list of things I wanted to discuss. But just thinking about that, that maybe there's a a space for youngsters to even learn um, 
jewelry making and design that in that process i wonder if that then could also like so for example a really good friend of mine uh, jeremy i don't know if you met him but anyway he's gone back to japan his wife's from japan to be a um, uh, master woodmaker like a carpenter yeah and as you know the whole japanese structure it's all about the the crafts it can take a long time to study but he just wants to get fully engrossed in that because he you know he has that potential to you know um distress and i was thinking about that the craft the art and craft and i wonder if more of our youngsters got involved fully immersed in creation and you know just like you do that could be pretty therapeutic hey i really think so for sure for sure yeah definitely that's, a, that's an idea maybe maybe we'll get or maybe we'll get involved in that i'm going <laughs> so listen speak to me about let's just um you manage all these things, right, Marin? You're, you're a mom. You've got your business. It, I mean, it's we're at COVID. How do you fit it all in? I mean, there are loads of people who want to do things, but the but the thing that sticks out is, oh, I'm just I'm just too busy. I haven't got the energy. I haven't got the the list is then endless, right? And and you have that same list. How do you do it? How do you fit it all in? I balance constantly. <laughs> I, I, it's, it's, it's a constant juggling act for, for sure, you know, um, being, living in London, being, you know, obviously COVID has been, you know, exceptional circumstances, but being in London, being a mom of three teens, well, one no longer teen, um, having had a very long, one of which has had a long history of health, ill health, um, so it has been doing things against all odds. Yeah. It has been truly, um, you know, it's, it's been a, a continuous juggling act. It's, it's a balancing act because you're trying to, you're trying to be mum. You're trying to be the best mum that you can be. And um, you get it wrong sometimes. Uh, a lot of the time. <laughs> um, and it's hard. It's, I'm not going to deny that, you know, and, uh, all that glitters is not gold you know no, look at my instagram and they're saying oh my god you know and it and it and it's so not like that behind the scenes it's a, there is a reality of where actually it's really tough yeah. um and you it's it's almost like living parallel lives you know on yes. the one hand there is reality and uh with all its challenges and you know, you, on the one hand, you've got that. And on the other hand, you've got, you know, me expressing myself through my jewelry with bold pieces, with colors, with stories, with, and, and it's almost paradoxical in a way. Yeah. Um, but it's like a roller coaster. You know, there are times when you're up and there are times when you're down and it, it's, you never know what you're going to get. <laughs> Mm. Um, you know, it's like constantly catching the ball and you never know which way the ball is coming. That's how my life has been. It's the um, ultimate kind of life pilgrimage. It's the ultimate metaphor for life, isn't it? It really yeah. is. Yeah. And, and, and you just have to, I think for the longest time, I gave my, myself a hard time because I would, you know, you go kind of going to the, 
almost the part of the victim. Why is this happening to me? And why, you know, yeah. it's, it's like, you know, you, you come up for a bit of water, you know, a bit of air, and then you kind of drown again. Yeah. But I've kind of learned to, I believe everything happens for a reason. And I'm kind of letting the universe guide me. And I think, okay, this has happened. What is there for me to learn? I'm not taking it. Why has this happened to me? What can yeah, I learn? That's a, that's a really, and that for those who miss that, that reframing is a really important shift in the, in the question, isn't it? Why has this happened to me? Is a very it, the words don't sound that much different, but to what can I learn from this? That's a subtle enough change in questioning to make a massive difference to your life, right? And and I try and do that, and it's not. You know, I'm not, I don't think I get it all the time, but it helps me along the way mm. as I, you know, navigate through whatever, you know, dramas that life gives you. You just think, okay, don't don't play the part of the victim. Just learn from it and 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 see what, yeah, how you can do things differently, but take it as a lesson. So every yeah. day is a lesson. Yeah, that's beautiful advice, actually. I, I've, I've been similar similar to you, Steph, in that. So uh, that's interesting you say that about the kind of the dual nature of the results finished and shown, a.k.a. Instagram, and the, <laughs> and the behind the scenes dropping of the balls and the world yeah, <laughs> all the other stuff. And I've been thinking about this because, of course, we, again, and we spoke about that a little bit earlier about economic terms has taught us to cover the blossom, you know what I mean? When the shares go up, when the when the jewel is finished, you know, when the book has got an award, whatever, whatever, right? They cover the finish, but they're they're fleeting in regard to the amount of work, aren't they? You'd say, I mean, if I, I ridiculously pluck percentage out of the air, I'm completely making this up, but the blossom is what one percent, and ninety nine is the are the roots and the earth, and right. So then you, you kind of then, it's, it's sort of a bit of like living for the weekend sort of stuff. That's a huge amount of time to wait for the blossom, which is pointless. So I've been reshaping a little bit like what you said there, which is what inspired this thought. I've been thinking then, okay, well, if the, maybe the blossom isn't just the blossom, you know, the finished jewel, et cetera. Maybe the blossom is the 99% of that magical work as we're going and the blossom is like the you know chance to go on and do something different a podcast or you know oh, look we got a i don't know madonna's wearing my jewels I, I, don't know, I don't know why that came to my mind but um actually the the, the magic is in the 99 percent. and if we then look at that ah now life is a lot good it's a slightly different color it's not so fluorescent but it's interesting right and i've been working on that because there's a lot of time between books for, as i'm thinking there's a lot of time between someone saying we're going to have your book there's a lot of dead time and yeah. you think well, how can i still enjoy that dead time definitely it's it's as they say you know it's not just the destination it's the journey to the destination yeah. and it that's how that's what it is that's you can't expect for that blossom you know you've got no. to go through whatever ups and downs and you know, until you get to the blossom, but really realize that that 99% or 95% is the blossom in itself. Yes, yes, that's it, it really is. Every moment is a blossom actually of its, of its own making, isn't it? And I think we're not, 
life is so, as you say, just fleeting and crazy and madness that you don't realize that until you kind of step back a little bit and, th and think, you know, and I think COVID certainly for me, and I try to, to, to think that way, it, it, it's made me think that life is so short and you've got to, every day is a gift, you know? I mean, I've lost people who I've known, I've got friends who are currently unwell for various reasons. And you think, gosh, you know, just, I complain about whatever, having my list being super long and I've got, you know, a very dear friend who's seriously ill, you know, and I think, no, every hour is a gift. Just be, mm. you know, and I know I say that I may not master that. And, you know, but yeah. it, it is true. You've got to. No, I agree with you. And it's easy. It's easy to for them to become kind of trite mean things. Right. But actually, when you because how many times have we have we have we all seen that on or wherever we've heard it or seen it on social media, et cetera, the, you know, enjoy every moment they're fleeting etc but actually to take a moment to sit in and really kind of consider that give that like 40 minutes of your time to delve into that thought and you realize yeah that's true because again if you just fleet over those pieces of wisdom that people have handed down you could miss that right you could really miss the importance of that but go into it and you think yeah those, those little lines can be life-changing some some great people have said some great things yeah absolutely that's why i love the quotes keep me sometimes in you know because they are they're really words of wisdom that make you think and it might be a duration of 10 minutes or so but at least it's a reminder it's a constant reminder mm. that you know you you've got to see things differently that's what i feel for me um that's what i feel your jewelry does one particular i think i was looking at this morning or came up which i love just on your feed now is of the um here it is here it is here it is of the butterflies you know you've got these i, I love that butterflies are very special for me in fact one of our black belt kata you know because i teach karate as well you know that um it's called choyoku which means butterfly wings and one of the things i did when i kind of formed my school when i left where i grew up and then formed my own thing was to do these sets of the kata as a set of martial arts move and name it. And Choyoku was about coming from basics, like a cocoon, and then coming into something of its own. So I love the symbolism of kind of butterflies and the transcendence of life. So you go from the physical to mate, you know, to the spiritual, to the transcendent. I love that idea. So when that came up on your feed, I was like, oh, that's when I'm back in London, I'm all over that. There'll be none left by then. But, but I would be all over that. It'd be amazing. Amazing. Definitely, definitely no. I love, yeah. I mean, butterflies has a, a wonderful significance and symbolism. So, and it just, it's a, it, you know, I, I use that, I think it was yesterday or the day before, um, really as a reminder, there is just so much going on around us at the moment that is hard. Um, and really, yeah, as a reminder that, you know, there is always light after darkness and, just remember that and focus on that um, yeah and in fact there's not even only light after darkness there can only be light because of darkness 
Absolutely. Isn't it? Because because one has to sit within the context of the other. So and I have, I, I, while I thought about that on the 88, on the pilgrimage thinking, actually, it's not about moving from one to the other. You can't have one without the other. These are not enemies. They're siblings. And one without darkness, you wouldn't see the stars. Absolutely. Absolutely. So it, 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 it really is. And, and it's hard. You know, it's hard. It's easier to say these things, but when you, you know, I, I've been thinking a lot about people who've, who've lost uh, their loved ones and, and you think, okay, yeah, the butterfly is a great analogy, but you know, how am I going to get over the pain of having, you know, um, and that's hard. I'm not, I'm not belittling that in any way. No, 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 know? no, no. And, but still we, 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 you know, you've got to have hope and you've got to keep on thinking that, you know, there is light after darkness and there's, it's, it's, we're in, we're in a, on a circle. Yes. And, and also sometimes, um, or not sometimes, as I move more and more now through meditation, actually walking straight into the pain because moving away from it is, it's impossible, but actually going, okay, well, just let's sit with it. Let's sit in a position which is very uncomfortable with no expectation of improving, just to sit with it like you would a screaming child. And it kind of has its own shift after a while. Like the resistance, for me anyway, I I'm actually talking physically from suffering with migraine. I, I, I have fought them since I was 12. Every time I get one, the pain makes me angry, which makes the pain what you boom, right? So I'm just thinking, so I'm saying, as I've started to just say, all right, I'm going to just go right into it. This is it. I'm in this 24, 48 hours of pure pain. Let's go. And weirdly, the kind of lack of resistance to it softens it. Do, do you know what I mean? No, I'm not, I'm not suggesting it's a miracle cure and suddenly like, woohoo, migraines are from above and they're a great thing. I'm not suggesting that. And I'm not suggesting that for people who are, who are suffering, who are grieving. What I am saying just takes the noose off the neck a little bit and makes it slightly more bearable, don't you reckon, I think? Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with that. So speak totally. to me a little bit about... Um, I love this about you because it's interesting um, because I know you have admitted in the past of being um, fairly nervous of public speaking and which is odd because you speak beautifully and clearly right um, which is a funny thing but I know a lot of people have that fear and a lot of people are held back from sharing their uh, creative gifts from essentially fear right so Speak to us a little bit about how you overcome that so that we maybe could overcome that ourselves, because it's, it's, it's an important thing. It, it, it's, it's taken me a, a really long time. And so I think I've, I may have shared with you, you know, my fear of public speaking, I'm taking that as an example, was so bad that, you know, at university, I would actually faint just to give a presentation with my group you know of maybe eight nine people yeah. so first time you know ambulance comes god they thought i was dying and i was it was just fear nervous. <laughs> that was just yeah sad to say but that was that that's the truth um i think fear is um 
we all have fear as humans we all have fear whether you are a big shot or whether you're you know i think we all have fear interestingly i'd read somewhere about oprah winfrey and you know she's interviewed from you know everybody and everybody you know except us too i think i think she's missing tricks there you know from obama to beyonce to whoever and she said with all my life doing that every time an interview ends they always ask me have i done okay was that good was that okay we all have fear everybody obama you know from obama to whoever we all have fear. And I think um, it's, for me, I have fear every day. And it's just, it's like a muscle that I have to exercise every day. Uh, it's, uh, you know, I, I'm an ambitious as in person. Face, as in facing it. As in facing it. Yeah. yeah. As in facing it. I mean, I've had to, um, I, I did like a, a, a short mentoring course, uh, about a year ago with, um, with, with a great mentor. And one of the challenges was that I did, I had to go live every day on Instagram and speak, even if it was to for a minute or so. I actually remember you doing that. And, and I said, I said to Ali, I said, are you kidding me? There is no way I can do that. (laughs) She said, that's part of the course. You've got to do it. Um, And we had to do it within a certain time. And I, pushed through the fear and did that I mean it's hysterical some of it I was (laughs) but I just thought okay just do it and you just you need you just push yourself um and by the end of the seven days people were saying you can't stop doing these now you've got to continue and I'm like no guys I can't no 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 you've got to continue and that's how tea with amber souk came about which I did like a series of of um of you know speaking and interviewing yeah, and interviews yeah and I love um, them I love them I love Tia Ambassador and I've been I keep on people keep on asking me when are you going to go back and do them and I'm like I've got to re because I hadn't done them for that long hmm. I've lost my confidence so again it's fear yeah. and I have to rework on my fear to go back to them so uh Maybe you and I are going to do one soon. <laughs> I've got, I, 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 one of my goals, two goals I have now, to be on in, Oprah Winfrey, maybe, not even that bothered, but really to be on Tia Amasu. I can't, I, that would be it. My, okay. my job is complete. <laughs> but I, I just wanted to share one quote that I think kind of describes and, and, and really says it all to me about, you know, overcoming fear. And it's a quote by um, a woman called Marianne Williamson. And I don't know, you may have heard it. And if I may read it to you. Please, please. It says, our deepest fear is not that we're inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we're powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You're a child of God. You're playing small, doesn't serve the world. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. So she describes that beautifully. And I think, don't be afraid of your light. 
Let your I, light I, I cannot agree more. I, I absolutely love that quote. And I, I cannot agree. And I, I agree with the fairly harsher line, which is, who are we not to be great? Because I, I like that. You know what I'm like. I'm fairly kind of hard-nosed and like, right, crack on, get it done. You know, that's my karate background. But I agree with that. I'm just like, who are we not to go for it? Because it, life is an amazing gift. And for those people who haven't been born into it or, you know, or are going out of it, you know, we really do owe it to ourselves and therefore our communities just to go, okay, well, let's go. I'm going to do it. And then you can hold on to my kind of, you know, coattails and see what happens. Oh, I absolutely agree with that. I absolutely agree. So you would say for people then who are struggling, of course, do it. Do something that frightens you every day. I think that is the only way we can grow. We, you know, as we all know, and not to sound cliche, we've heard it over and over again, you know, you've got to get out of your comfort zone to, to, to grow. And, and that is the only way. And, 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 you know, think of your fear as a muscle that you've got to train every day and, and it's fine not to be perfect, but keep on training that muscle. I remember uh, in my, in my tennis career, I was plagued by fear which is why you've never heard of me as a tennis player, because I never made it to the Wimbledon that I was supposed to be at. <laughs> but um, because I spent forever trying to understand my fear and not overcome it, but to kind of think through it. Why am I fearful, et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, all that does, it adds to the mental kind of clutter and you end up just in an absolute wreck. As I got older, through my martial arts, actually, where I just kind of got on and fought, um, I then stopped trying to understand my fear and just get on with it. And so the, the request came, if you like, my kind of prayer came, not please, can you help me get rid of this fear? That were my tennis days, made not an ounce of difference. Please, can you help me go on and play the game despite my fear? Again, a little bit like I spoke about going into the fear, it just loosens that hold enough to let the light in. So not trying to fix it or heal it or judge it or it, or fear being an enemy, just going, you're there, that's cool. We're going to go on and do what we're going to do anyway. <laughs> and then it becomes a sort of a partner in crime a little bit, doesn't it? Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. It's that little voice that sits on your shoulder, right? Yeah. And it's, it's learning how to acknowledge it and say, thank you, but no thank you. <laughs> and I will yeah, Because ultimately it's a, it's a, it's a safety valve. It's not a big evil, you know, it's a safety valve. It's trying to keep us in the in the cave, as it were. But of course, we've moved beyond that. We're not in the days where we needed that. Oh, if you go outside in the dark, you're going to get eaten by something with teeth sort of stuff. And, and it is just a matter of overcoming. That's why it's quite hard to overcome, because it is so, so primal. But with, as you say, with a little bit of practice and, you know, new experiences, you get to a point where you overcome enough fears where you look back and go, well, that's a that's a, a learnable process overcoming fear. You know, I was this in September and in December I'm here and you it becomes a bit of a game. I'm not talking about adrenaline uh, hunters, although people can, but it becomes a bit of a game and a bit of a challenge, doesn't it? To push ourselves like that. Definitely, definitely, definitely. So do you have any, what are, you, what are your next big plans for what you're doing Um where do you go from here post COVID? It looks like, you know, there is a light coming through the COVID cloud. Where now for you and for the girls and for everyone? I think our main thing 
for all of us is kind of to stay sane for a start, <laughs> which is not, which has been challenging. Um, and just really keep on going, but keep on going with a different uh, mindset. Um, really just think for me, I don't particularly want to return to what we thought was normal before. Okay. Um, I, there's got to be a, a different new normal. Uh, yeah. The normal before just was not working for me. And in, in being in, in being too busy or in, in, in being just, you know, the way we, we live, you know, the way we have, we, we, we live our lives. Yeah. Um, there's got to be a shift, you know, in, and I'm talking different sphere, different levels yeah. of, yeah. Uh, we need to change the way we do things. Hmm. Um, you know, the, the, the world is not going in the, right direction yeah, it, won't, it won't return to as it was will it no and 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 yeah there there are many things that i thought were not right as it was um you know that, that's a bigger conversation <laughs> i think you know yeah. greed yeah. and and you know lack of kindness and there's just so much that's not right and you know um do you think we can because you're right, and I speak to a lot of people now who are all, who are all in the same uh, boat where they, they know something has to change, right? They're not entirely sure what. So, for example, through Buddhism, for example, I know for sure that they have constant practices in compassion, you know, the, the compassion of prayers and mantras, and even, of course, just completing Ramadan here. That whole month, I know that extends, I understand that extends, but through the month, that, that is essentially a practice of abstinence and compassion. So there are practices. I, th I reckon we need to, for those who aren't following a faith, I think there needs to be a sort of like a modern day faith. Okay, fine if, you don't, if you're not a believer. Cool. Fine if all the gods have disappointed you. Okay, no, no problems. I get it, right? But maybe there could be like a... a a modern thing where, all right, despite what your beliefs, we could still have compassion practice. You know what I mean? Lack of greed practice. That that's I don't know how that would come about, but I think that's essential. I really I do. love. That. I totally agree. I totally agree. I think for me, compassion. You know, going back to your beautiful book, um, being a Buddhist millionaire. I think. Yes, of course, you can do what you love to do. And, but if you, if you don't, if you lack compassion, if you lack kindness, if you lack integrity, you know, it's, it's, it's no point. What, what's the point, you know? And I think, um, I, I think compassion is essential. And, and this is one, that's the one thing that I really, and it probably comes out every day out of me in my home trying to teach my kids just be kind to each other yes you know be kind you know think of what the other person might be feeling because it might key. not that's the know. key isn't it yeah but kindness is not a default i hate to admit maybe when we strip our layers so far we end up at whatever our source is but I found kindness has to be practiced. And just as you say, the art is, is getting in someone else's shoes, not even thinking, how can I be more kind? It doesn't work. 
Mm. As soon as you are in that person's shoes, you want to be more kind. They're different. They're different beasts, aren't they? Definitely, definitely. And I think that is something that needs to be taught. I wish there was a school of kindness. Mm, yeah, I like that idea. School of something kindness. That, yeah. Um, because I, I, it's a, for me, it's the basis of everything. You know, I've, for me, without kindness, you can't have a, you know, at the end of the day, you're at one point, you will flat, fall flat on your face if yeah. you, if you lack that aspect no matter what great business you're doing or no matter what you know venture that you're um taking on for me that's a basic um it's 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 a must it's a need um i I agree with you and actually it's it's that determines so for example this is a you know this is the buddhist millionaire podcast but the people i don't just ask anyone on do you know what I mean? This is not a business podcast. It is. I'm not afraid of money. That's what. That's the point of Buddhist millionaireship. As I say, it's not just a creative. But one of the things I look for in the in, in people I interview is that that flash of something kind, uh, spiritual. If you, you you know when people go through all that's in all of my guests, and I completely agree with you. That is what that's what makes success. Uh, useful for life as well and I, and, I, and I have to say I see that in your work I see that in your work Steph. I say we've got you know, we've got all sorts of pieces of your stuff around <laughs> but it, it has that and I love that I think it I think it's very important it's really important that leads us on actually compassion kindness and other stuff that you're doing you're not just um <laughs> you know, building yourself and your own family, you're actually involved in something which is helping others do the same, which I find this really interesting, this idea. Sherry reminded me about this, this hub dot. Because mm-hmm. that, that is you passing on the love, not just you. Could you can you introduce us, tell us a little bit about hub dot? I love this idea. I love this idea a lot. Right, you've got to come to the next event, which um, I think it's on the 26th of May. So HubDot is a community, is a um, uh, a platform. It's a it's it's sort of like a launching pad mm-hmm. where people come to meet other people and make significant connections. Um, it business is it business? Too? It's it's whatever whatever whatever. So it's okay. it's it's concept that um, it's sort of. I don't want to really use the work, the, the work networking, but it is, it's, you know, bringing yeah. people together that yeah. wouldn't otherwise meet. Okay. Um, and the, 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 the whole thing behind it is around storytelling. So um, you come to an event, there's always storytellers. There's a theme to the event normally. Um, and um, I'm trying to remember last month was... Uh, my brain has gone completely. That's uh, all right. I can, I can look it up after. Are they, are they physical meetings or at the moment are they online? So they started off. So this was a, um, a, a, a platform that was set up by a very good friend of mine eight years ago. Um, she got tired of, you know, your usual networking and, and you know, people asking you, you know, oh, you're, you know, what do you do? And she's like, yeah, but I'm a mom, I'm a jazz singer, I'm this, yes. but what do you do? Yeah. And she got fed up 
left where she was working at the bank. She was in banking um, in events and thought, you know, there is more to life than this. So she um, organized a coffee morning in 2012. And she thought, you know what, I'm just going to get a few people together and brainstorm and, and, and just share, you know, yeah. share, share stories and see what happens. And, uh, and so she did, she sent a few emails and um, what she had done that day to kind of break the ice, she had set up five little dots where each dot had a meaning and it was, they were sort of like a to create to to as an icebreaker, right? Okay. Yeah. So yeah. Put little, five little different colors. Yeah. Five different colors. You know, red means this, green means that. You know, yellow mm -hmm. means that. And everybody would pick a color, and that was kind of the icebreaker. Okay, the icebreaker. Nice. Um. Anyway, cut story short. She sent an email out. She thought maybe it would get 20 people or so. She had 98 people in her house. Wow, 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 wow. Um, so there was obviously a desperate need for people to, to meet on a, yeah. on a different level as opposed to your, you know, your traditional networking events. And yeah. that's how it, it has grown. So really, is you said the word alchemy before, and it's creating alchemy. It's, it's bringing people together who wouldn't otherwise meet through the power of storytelling. And there is a lot of work that goes behind the scenes. And, you know, when you sign up for an event, you know, you give a little bit of your bio, what you're looking for. Mm. And behind the scenes, we try and help match, you know, match. Nice. I love it. Public. I love so that. that so it, it's amazing because it has grown, because it's based, and again, it's going back to, uh, being authentic and being really beyond the business yes you can make you you can you know you can meet the whatever make your meet the business person that you were looking for yeah but it's beyond that is it's on based that. on authenticity on um you know really ma making significant connections that can help change your life and you wouldn't otherwise meet these people, you know, had, you know, yeah. would not be that. So it has grown from 98 women to almost 30,000. And COVID, these, you know, we used to do physical events, uh, yeah. which were amazing. Jerry went to one, I think. Selena's been I, to them for sure. And yeah, Selena's come to one, I remember, yeah, in, uh, in Covent Garden. And, but COVID happened, you know, we were, HubDot was completely a physical event and yeah. and have um covid happened and they've had to pivot overnight and it's now online um so there are events that happen every month hmm. um but then Maybe there I are can make the 26th of may one from here then i could yeah oh absolutely i mean uh, you know i it's think i will because i was i was like well I, I will when i get back to london but i've actually i'm gonna i'm gonna jump in on that one in fact on the 26th of may it's about pitching your purpose so it's a really interesting one. So I will send you the details. Yeah, um, please. I'd like to have a look at that. I think that's this sort of thing I love. This is absolutely Buddhist millionaireship, isn't it? It, it is. And, Completely and, uh, Buddhist millionaireship. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's definitely, um, it's, a, it's, a, it's really, an, to be able to experience it, you really have to be there and, 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 and feel how it works. But there's been amazing, amazing connections that people have made. Yeah. 
people's lives really have changed because they met that one missing link. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and um, so, yeah, it, it kind of aligned with my own values in that it's, it's helping people find, you know, what, what they might need and what they, uh, what they might need at that point in their life. And then that's kind of um, what, you know, why I've been since, since the very beginning with Habdad is because um, the work that is done is really, truly meaningful. Yeah. And that seems to be an ingredient of Buddhist millionaires I've found, having interviewed so many now, is that because they're so connected by something more than the money to their work, their hearts involved, it means that they want to, they want to forward the good. I see it all, all the time. I see it in charity work. I see it in this. I see it in, in care work, in, my, in, in Pete O'Shea, my guest last time. And I love that. And, that, and, and what you said, the really good point earlier, when you said your friend is constantly being asked, no, no, what do you do? And that's, I've done, through the past, I've been in all the sorts of those BNI things, you know, BNI and ABC and whatever, all those, you know, and they're fine. But it is all, if you're not a certain thing they're looking for, they've scrubbed you off as an individual. And, and just, just as like I tried to describe you today, it's impossible because you're a business owner, entrepreneur, mum, wife, friend, you know, all those different things. And actually to pigeonhole someone just to want financial gain is a bit, I don't like and that. that. That was the, that was the, 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 the complete, you know, and sole purpose and mission of HubDot is yeah. really, is you can't, you know, you're there, there is no, there's no judgment. Yeah. You come in and you're not, you know, Sensei Matt, um, you know, you yeah. are whatever color you pick to I come that it. night. That's great. So, if you're, so, you know, for example, red means I'm established, which means that you have uh, experience and knowledge to share. Yellow is I have an idea. Can someone help? Oh, Green is I'm here to be inspired. Blue is I'm here to socialize and make new oh, I love it. It's is I'd like to tell you about my story. So when you come to the event, you choose your color and it's your color that speaks. Wow. So you don't start, oh, what is what you do? We yeah. we encourage people to, to to start conversation with what's your story. And That's the a great, whole it's a great idea changes it's not you know i'm tired and and that's why simona set it up you know people were constantly saying but what do you do it was always never good enough you know yes. I, i'm i'm many things i can't be pigeonholed in one box no no, no and, absolutely and that's 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 the beauty of it is that it's you, a great it's a great idea it's a great idea so i looked briefly but i didn't fully know what it was and i remember sherry saying before it's it's a you know Ask about that because it's a really good thing and steps involved. And I was like, and, and then I looked and again, it, it is, that's exactly what Buddhist millionaires do. They're constantly trying to pay it forward. You know what I mean? Just to try and share, share what they do. It's, it's a good idea. I'm going to yeah, send me that. And what I'll do, I'll put the links in, in to the podcast. I'll put, obviously I'll put your Insta links and all that sort of stuff, but I'll put that in there. Cause that would be interesting for people to see. Definitely. definitely. And um, you know, they, we do community events every month. Huh. And then there are also corporate events where people, you know, employ HubDot to, you know, whether it be HSBC or Credit Suisse or various, you wow. know, school. Yeah. We've gone into schools and on all sorts where we, you know, HubDot goes in and they adopt the methodology of the dots within that particular setting because it works, because yeah. you take away all the, you know, there, there is, 
you're all equal. Yeah. There's no, there's no, you know, there's no. Oh, that's um, a credit. I love it. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I'll pop that in the diary. No, so for sure. I'll send you oh, the link. Sorry. Oh, I like that. That's, that's lovely. So we're coming to the end because I realize I've taken way over an hour of your time. Love every that's second true. of it. Um, it's, it's brilliant, Steph. I, I've really enjoyed this. But just to, and I always ask my guests this, um, for the benefit of our listeners, you people who are looking to do what you do, as in balance a life that's all over the place with stuff that you love doing, right, that also is successful, it's working. And someone thinks, oh, I'd love, I'd love to be like her. She's great. She's great. What? And I know this is impossible, but what one because we've all got short attention spans, right? What one piece of advice would you like to leave them with to set them on their way to sort of, you know, live a life that they, it's not going to be easy, but kind of doing what you're doing. It doesn't have to be durable, whatever they want to do. One piece of advice for them. I guess it would be listen to your inner voice. Um, I think we all have, you know, we all have a calling, we all have a purpose in this life, right? And and some of us might have a higher level of consciousness and can tune into the voice that says, guides you in that way. Some of us may be less so, but definitely listen to, to that voice and be present and be mindful. And that's how you can listen to that voice. And just for me, you know, not everybody has the luxury to do what they love, right? But I think we also have to learn to love what we do, no matter what that is. Because, you know, if that is a means to an end and you don't have the luxury to go and whatever do or whatever that may be, you've got to find a way to make it work for you, right? So you've got to learn to love what you do, whether you're sweeping the streets and your or whatever you know just think of what impact you are having to others not what you are getting for you but what impact you're having on others and that and that changes your pers pers you know perspective a little bit because there's a lot of us who are doing things that we don't really you know enjoy but and but we're forced to because life forces you to you know to, to you've got to put you know food on the table you've got to feed your kids and you're in a job that you might not like but I think is to have a bit of a change of perception and mindset and is just think okay I'm doing something that I don't particularly like how can I what what is my impact and how you know um and just whatever you do do it in an authentic and, 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 and kind way and with integrity because you will always get to a step closer to what, you know, your, your, your vision might be. I think, well, yeah, I think integrity and kindness and authenticity are my three words for anybody, for whatever, you know, you mm. venture in and, you know, you want to do in life is, is those three things are, are essential. Um, and listen to that voice because we all have those voices. We all have a, a calling and a purpose and a purpose that can make money. I mean, I'm not saying I'm, I am, <laughs> I haven't got it right yet. Um, I, I, I certainly don't. I'm in fact, my, 
I have to be very honest, my relationship with money is, is awful because I just, as a creative, um, I do, you know, I don't, I'm not business minded in that sense that I, um, you know, I create a piece because I love to create that piece. Mm -hmm. I don't sit there and think, okay, if I did it, you know, with this metal or with that metal, it might make me more money. That never comes into the equation. Mm -hmm. Not and not then. That's not because I have lots. Of, I I don't have. I need no, to work no, and no, I need yes, to make yeah. a living. But it's because it comes from a place of pure creative, passionate love for what you for, for what I'm doing. It kind of takes me to a different. And I forget about you know. People always tell me, but why don't you, you know, do this range because it can make you more money. And I'm thinking, well, that's not. It's not part of me, although I would love to make more money. But so, I, I, I have, I've come. I have come. Do you want to hear my theory on this? Yeah, <laughs> go on. Because this is important, right? I know that was the wrap up, but you can all listen. As you're still there with me for another ten minutes, you know I go on. So crack on. This is a good theory. So I, for me, the the same source that creativity comes from, right? that comes through us in whatever medium we choose, it's abundant. It's a little bit bigger than us all put together and some more. And that also includes money, right? Why, why, how could it not? It's everything and nothing and up and down and in and out and black and white and everything in between. So that has to include money. And I started to realize that it isn't, has to be one or the other. It's how we change our requests. What I mean, what we ask for, well, can I write, so I'm just going to speak from my example just for now because it's then true. Can I write the book that I want to write without writing something that I think will make money? So I want to write exactly what I write and make a lot of money. There we go. And that's what I now do. And then, and then don't do any more concentration on what I need and then whatever comes, comes. And yeah. so far, it seems to work. I change the question, if you like, I dare to ask, so I clarify the question, right? And I dare to ask it, how can I write exactly what I want without selling my soul and still make lots of money? Thank you very much, bye-bye. That, <laughs> that's my theory. And it seems to work. It just seems to be, it kind of, yeah, it works. And, you know, again, that goes back to some form of spiritual thinking in that the source is always there mm. it's just asking for it and that is my uh probably one of my shortcomings is that you, i i've been taught that i've worked for a long time with a, a very good friend of mine who's a reiki healer and, a, and a, uh, um, a very 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 spiritual person and she's mm. always said to me the source is there there is abundance it's just that we don't know how to ask for it you ask for it and the abundance will come. Um, but then you get, caught up, you get caught up in the craziness of life. Well, we're, and well, we're taught that, that um, you know, very, uh, we're pretty much taught that life only comes from a lot of hard work and that most people who've had money, they've done something wrong for it. That, that is the basic default of our society. And it, uh, from my opinion, it just isn't true. Money's not a bad thing. Abundance, in fact, just as uh, Marion Williamson said, who do who, who we owe it to ourselves to be big, right? And that includes. Can you imagine 
an, an abundant universe that includes everything except money. No, I can, I can move stuff and I can make this happen. So I can't give you more money because that's above me. Yeah. What? what? <laughs> but that's definitely a belief, isn't it? We're, that's a definitely a belief thing. Money doesn't grow in trees. Who said? It's money's hard work. Who said? I think if you go with what you said with the authenticity and kindness, right, then that makes it a more pleasant journey. But everything is within our question and uh, within our questioning, which includes the bad stuff. So you have, to, you have to be careful, right? There are a lot of very successful, bad, quoted bad people. So what yeah. I'm saying is we have a responsibility, but choose what you like, but choose and just know you're choosing. I really, I really do believe in that. Absolutely. Absolutely. I do too. Yeah. Right, you guys, we're going to leave you with the wisdom of, as I say, one of the most fabulous women I know. Steph, I have loved every second of this. You guys who are listening, you know I'm going to say this to you. I say every single episode, share this stuff, right? Don't just sit on it. Share it with someone you know is suffering. We're speaking to people who've got a ton of experience, and you know someone out there who is probably not living the life that they want. Share. Let them know this wisdom. Um, Steph, I loved it. Love to the girls. Love to Joe. And you Thank guys you. out there, I will see you next time and you will take care of yourselves. All right, lots of love. Bye.